0: Listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you in news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 250. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co hosts, Onika Harrison, Brian Ego, Claire Crowley Klingenberg, Deborah Hyde, Jane Novella, Yelena Levin, And Pontus Böckmann. See you, Stock.
1: Hello. Hey.
2: Hey, guys.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, that was quite a mouthful, uh, just the introductions. So welcome, everyone, uh, to the first ever live streaming of the ESP and uh, a warm welcome to our followers as well and especially if you managed to stick around and you didn't give up on us that's a big thank you as well so we've got our 250th episode which is um which is quite a lot Uh, i mean here's jay from the skeptics guide to the universe to you it probably doesn't look much but when we started this five years ago because on the 18th of november it marked the fifth anniversary of our first ever episode airing back in 2015. So since then, we've conducted more than 100 interviews with people. And uh, we've um, covered a lot of news from all over the the European continent. And uh, we're very proud of that. And uh, we interviewed you all on the show. But why we asked you back today to to do this uh, special episode with us is that you have all been guest hosts as well, at some point uh, in the five year history of the ESP. So, welcome back, everyone. But what we've asked of everyone who joins us today is that you bring a story uh the original uh, idea was that you bring a story that that has something to do with european skepticism or the esp itself but uh we've loosened the the rules a little bit so any kind of interesting story that you want to share with the world or at least europeans please do so and um, unfortunately jelana is very busy today. So that means she she will uh, need to leave us at some point. So um, I'd like to invite you to start with that. And at some point, uh, we will have a trivia quiz, a Europe-themed trivia quiz, uh, thanks to Onika, who's prepared the whole thing. So you will be the one who cannot play. But uh, you told us not too long ago that uh, you really love doing the trivia quizzes when you are not the one playing. So, yeah, we are happy to play along and uh, looking forward to that. And we are going to do two quiz rounds. And in between, we're going to have the stories. So this is the outline for today's show. And uh, again, welcome, everyone. And Yelena, it's been a while.
3: It has been a while. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me over. And, um, you know, I can't believe it's been five years, really, time flies when you have fun. Isn't that what they say? Um, as you know, some things actually never change. (laughs) For example, um, I spend quite a lot of my time on recording uh, of the podcast, opening documents and websites. And guess what? I'm still doing it right now. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to just open, um, uh, something that I prepared for today and that I wanted to talk about. So, um, When I looked back at the five-year history of the ESP, uh, what struck me the most was the um, number of great organizations and great people that we met along the way and had a pleasure and privilege interviewing. And I've kind of uh, briefly, well, I don't want to go through every single person we've interviewed because there were 250 episodes of which probably half our interviews uh, w- with some skeptics uh, or um, uh, a- an interesting person. So, but I-, I wanted to just give a shout out to a few of the people around Europe so that you, ca- you can get um, an idea of how diverse and um, active skepticism in Europe is. So, uh, Michael Marshall from Good Thinking Society in England, of course, um, Diana Barbosa from Portuguese organization Concept. Professor Edzard Ernst, whose blog I absolutely love, and even though I no longer do the podcast, I go onto his blog and follow his stories, like the latest ones uh, called Acupuncture is More Than Useless for Patients Recovering from Breast uh, Surgery. And he does wonderful uh, blog posts uh, that debunk pseudoscience of any kind. Lubomir Baburov uh, from great organization Ratio in Bulgaria, and me and Pontus were uh, lucky enough to actually participate in one of the events that they put up in Bulgaria one, one year. Um, Antonio Deonate, who is the CEO of Spanish skeptical organization Spanish Rational Alternative to Pseudoscience. Marka Kovic from Swiss skeptical organization Skeptica Schweiz. Julia Offa from German skeptic organization GWOP. Massimo Polidoro from Italian Skeptical Organization, CICAP. Isil Arikan, the founder of Turkish educational website, Yalan Savar. Natalie Grams, the founder of the Homeopathy Information Network in Germany. You see, this is where editing would really, really help, but, you know, we're doing it live, so I'll keep going. Uh, And Ovidu Kovaciu from Romanian Skeptics. And I won't cut this
0: out.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, And and this is just a flavor, you know, of different uh, countries and organizations um, and the kind of the scope of the uh, skeptic uh, activism across Europe, which really is an amazing thing. And, um, when Andres invited me over uh, to do this uh, show, he asked me to think about kind of, um, in, for the past five years, you know, what kind of thing stood out the most or, or an interesting story or something of that sort. And I wasn't sure what I, I want to talk about, but actually I remembered at the very beginning, uh, for a while I was doing uh, the segment true or false. If you guys remember, <laughs> it was a, a fun little thing. and. I found myself finding a lot of the the, uh, these wacky true or false stories from a place um, uh, on a uh, well, it's it's a it's um, a prize that exists um, called Ig Nobel Prize, and they've got a website, and you can go there and um, you can see all sorts of interesting research that real scientists do, and um, uh, their tagline is research that makes people laugh and then think. Well, I wanted to, for the old time's sakes, um, just mention to you a few winners of Ignoble 2020. Um, they do a ceremony every year, and this time around it was online. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to um, view it online. In fact, when we moved to America, I thought, you know, I always had it at the back of my mind that I want to go and see the live Ignoble prize Nomination and maybe next year when the COVID is um, under control, we, we, I can I kind of uh, do that at some point. But so anyway, the uh, the prizes are very very wacky and um, they involve scientists from all over the world, uh, including actually Europe. And um, I will start with um, one of the prizes that was won in twenty twenty for a medicine purely european win between the netherlands and belgium um, scientists and they got the prize for diagnosing a long unrecognized medical condition misophonia the distress at hearing other people make chewing sounds i've heard about that actually so <laughs> it's not it's not that new but but anyway so they, they they um diagnosed it and did a research and they got the prize for that another uh interesting prize that was awarded this year was the prize that uh, was shared between austria sweden switzerland japan and usa and it's an acoustics prize (laughs) an interesting category but you know often they um make these categories up and fit to the research that was done that year that year and this prize went for inducing a female chinese alligator very specific to bellow in an airtight chamber filled with helium-enriched air, and they wanted to see whether the, the the sound that they make in the helium-enriched air differs from the normal. And it was the whole thing. You can actually, um we will link this all in, in description in our show notes. You can go and read the papers online. It's a legit thing. I mean, who would have thought of that? But there you go. Somebody did. Um, another interesting prize. Um, was for physics and it went to Australia, Ukraine, France, Italy, Germany, UK and South Africa. So that's quite a collaboration over here for determining experimentally what happens to the shape of a living earthworm when one vibrates the earthworm at high frequency.
0: Someone has to find that out.
3: I mean, I don't envy that poor earthworm who got vibrated all over the place. (laughs) And again, you... you,
4: (laughs) a Bow a few times I know right um for experimental reasons <laughs>
3: um but I guess my I don't want to say favorite but uh, the one that I had to laugh at the most uh went for material science prize and it went to UK and USA so they shared the prize together a uh, few scientists um took Part in this work, and it, it is a real thing. I swear you can go and look at the paper again, it's all online. And this prize was given for showing that knives manufactured from frozen human feces do not work well.
5: Yeah. As if you have I mean, to prove who it. Who would yes. have known?
3: I know. So, um, <laughs> Now,
6: did they, did they tell them when they made these bad knives to cut the shit?
2: <laughs> 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 ah, yes. boom! Somebody had to say it, God. But, but I,
3: but I have, and I had to read a bit more about this because I'm like, what the hell are these scientists do? They're, they're getting paid to do this research. But in any case, apparently there was a well-known account of an old uh, Inuit man who refused to move into a settlement. Uh, over the objections of his, his family, he made plans to stay on the ice, um, to stop him. They took away all of his tools. So in the midst of a winter gale, he stepped out of the igloo, defecated and toned the feces into a frozen blade, which he sharpened with a spray of saliva with the knife. He killed a dog using its rib cage as a sled and its hide to harness another dog. He disappeared into the darkness. So that is, That is a tale that apparently was passed on from generation to generation. I have never heard that tale. I
5: think he did a much better job than all the scientists (laughs) that tried to replicate it later.
3: So, this is exactly (laughs) it, right? The scientists heard of that tale. Where the hell they heard of it, I have no idea. Anyway, they have their own channels, obviously. And so, hang on a second. You know, scientists are people. (laughs) I know, but like, I thought they read clever I don't know I don't know what I thought my I obviously my expectations were (laughs) you know (laughs) not where they should be but so they they've heard that tale and they thought hang on a second we can prove or disprove this and so they recreated this whole experiment with feces and then freezing them and then making the knife and then finding out that it actually doesn't work and this whole tale was a, a a pile (laughs) of you know.
7: It shouldn't really matter, but were they allowed to use their own? Because using someone else, (laughs) working someone else's poo would be even
8: worse than working your own. Right, right, and I'm sure it probably is part of when it's frozen.
0: Who cares? It has less
8: (laughs) powers than Andros. But actually, that's not the only knife story that is in existence. There's a story about this explorer, the English explorer Anderson, who got snowed in. And he couldn't get out of the snowed in thing. And he didn't have any tools. So he just, like, pooped. And then he made his poop into, like, a like a little knife slash spoon thing. And, like, got his way out of, like, the snowed in area. And then he had frostbite on his legs. So he had to crawl on his stomach to the closest, like, center And like he climbed on his stomach through like a frozen ice crazy place um, for like miles supposedly, and then he like lost a bunch of his toes, and then he fought the Nazis or something. It's like a very.
0: (laughs) I think more research is needed here. (laughs) So what what I gathered from what you said is that uh, Edward Snowden fought the Nazis.
8: No, with a UFO. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay,
0: so it was a bad (laughs) attempt at a joke. Sorry.
8: A UFO out of poop, I guess. Yeah, just like that's the
3: only other frozen poop (laughs) knife story that I know and so I thought it was relevant. All
4: right. All right. Cool.
3: Well, in in any case, um, I would uh, very much encourage anyone who is interested. And this is just a flavor of what type of research is being done every year. Uh, and what the scientists are being paid for. You know, it made me question my um, career choices. I should have been a science-making <laughs> fro- knife from frozen poop. But in any case, yeah, th- th- that's one um, thing that I wanted to bring up today. And um, I, just one last thing before I finish. Um Something from 2019 uh, stood out to me on an Nobel prize winners list. And it was a um, medicine prize shared between Italy and Netherlands for um, collecting evidence that pizza might protect against illness and death if the pizza is made and eaten in Italy. The end. Uh, so there you go.
0: <laughs> I knew that already. Yeah, it was <laughs> right, financed right. by the, the, the Ministry of, uh, of Culture and uh, Tourism of uh, Italy, I'm pretty sure. I think the same goes
5: for, for Jay's meatballs, I've heard. That, what, you can use them as a weapon? No, that's… <laughs> <laughs> what on earth are we talking about? I think they could be a weapon if they got in the wrong hands, yes.
1: You can use them to get out of uh, snow.
6: <laughs> I was thinking when you, you were telling the story that the guy should have made like a poop sled so he wouldn't have to crawl on his stomach. <laughs>
8: yeah i mean like someone someone already like linked in the twitch thing uh adam adam cousin linked it linked already to the wikipedia page of the guy i was talking about so i did not make it up it's a whole wikipedia page
0: oh good
5: excellent that's right i
8: I did not are you saying that
0: if something has a wikipedia page it means that it's not made up at all (laughs) you know how many ufo incidents there are uh, wikipedia pages for yeah yeah we we have a wikipedia page and we are not real (laughs) no. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, thanks to Adam for that, actually. Yeah, the, the, the very guy who commented that.
6: Let me ask you guys a question. So you, 250 episodes, five years. Yeah. Um, that turns into about how how many a year is that?
0: It's once a week, uh, roughly. Yeah, right. I've been thinking about that, too. So how how, how does it add up? Uh, the, the math doesn't end up, really. The first three months, we only did every other week. Yes. That's how we sort of got... Did we? Yeah, that's, yes. That, yes. that's not uncommon. Yes. And I was the, the 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 idiot who came up with the idea of doing one every week. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Did you guys start with a mission statement? Did you know, okay, we're doing this podcast specifically for X, Y, and Z, or did you just want to talk about skepticism?
0: Yes. Um, oh. We did <laughs> <To both. laughs> have a, a, a mission. The whole idea came up at the European Skeptics Congress. We, we got into a very nice conversation with uh, Pontus, and um, we were chatting about how how f- little we know about what's going on in other countries outside of the English-speaking world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted to fix that. We wanted to, to give an, an opportunity to to all the, the different skeptical movements, uh, or the d- different uh, regional or um, different... Countries, uh, regional or local uh, organizations, to introduce themselves, to to let everyone know what they are up to, and um, and this this was what we wanted to do. So um, we didn't determine who the actual audience might be, mm-hmm. but we wanted to give an opportunity to uh, to all skeptics across Europe to to use this as a as a kind of a hub. Yeah, but it was and other uh, skeptics in Europe,
5: really. In, in, at least in my head, that was yeah. the, the audience still is to lodge this thing. Yeah. Well,
3: I, I think there was a, a, a slight limiting factor is language, because we had to use English as, as being the, the one that yeah. the language yes. used the most across Europe. So it is it is a little bit limiting. Um but we we had people from different uh, countries like you know some of the, some of them i mentioned who were able to kind of introduce their organization and and give it a little bit more of a yeah visibility um and uh yeah get get people on board I, I would
5: and- say like this put put europe on the skeptical map because a lot of it was very american centric of course we have richard yeah. saunders in, in australia so we have, but it's still very and if not
0: american australia, then it's, yeah. it's uk or australia and outside of that uh that there, there was not much yeah all right so but
5: but who who knows what's going on in slovakia yeah. who knows what's going on in spain italy czechia
6: Oh, yeah. Sweet. So do you Sorry. guys feel like over the past five years that you've gotten <laughs> to where you want the podcast to be? Is that information coming in? Well, they've won an Yes you? or no.
5: <laughs> it's the question, are we happy? Are we? Do you think we're doing the best job you can do? No, we can always improve. But I think we've come a long way. I think, we, I, think I hope, that we are much better at it now than we were in the beginning, of
6: course.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, but I still think we can improve. Well, I mean, that, yeah, you have to be humble about where you've gotten to, you know, everybody needs to, because you you could always do better. You can always do more and have farther reach. That's right. But I mean, I, you know, my sense, um, is that you guys have done a good job, a very good job. You know, you have a a wide variety of interviews and topics. Um, I know how much work it takes. I mean, I know how every stage of, of podcast making and how difficult it is, and it is a ton of work. And when you're doing it every week, you know, but you stuck with it. And that's what, that's why we're here. And that's what's awesome is, you, you know, you guys made 250 episodes and these aren't just light episodes. You know, you guys do research and you're finding people to interview. It's, it's meaningful. It's not just people talking.
0: You know what we, we really love and when we feel, um, really ac- accomplished after an interview is when people come back to, to let us know that, uh, they've heard of someone from the show mm-hmm. for for the first time, and how awesome the work that the, the, uh, those people are doing, and and how how great it is that that we give them a platform. Yep. and this is what we set out to do, and uh, that's that, that's quite good. And thanks thanks Deborah for mentioning that we've we've got a prize for that as well. Oh that, yeah, for, you for have yeah.
7: recognition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, do you guys remember uh, Yalana and Pontus? Oh yeah. How how funny it felt. Like, we were absolutely not prepared for for actually winning the Occam's.
3: Uh, (laughs) Our speech was (laughs) appalling. (laughs)
0: It's like, we
3: didn't prepare anything! Thanks! That was really nice, thanks! I remember saying I wanted (laughs) another
5: bottle of wine to the presenter. That wasn't very professional.
2: There yeah, was a lot of have have love the, in the room, <laughs> it was fine. The, where
6: is the award? Did you guys get a physical <laughs> object for winning that? I think András sold it, didn't he? <laughs> Wait a second.
8: <laughs> <laughs> On eBay.
6: <laughs> oh, He's got no it. Surprise. It's under his under Andres- Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's, it's in his toilet, it's in his
2: toilet.
6: Awesome.
3: The, the thing
0: is... It
6: actually is. Wonderful.
3: András was the guy who initiated the, the podcast and it was only fair... To give it to andres I don't know if there was ever an agreement to go. Okay, it's a year in Anders's house, a year in Pontus's, and a year in mine. No. I don't think that right, was. I the think
4: I think it would have been great if there was a like a really prolonged custody battle or something. You know. <laughs> 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 oh,
3: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I'm I'm surprised to see that the lighting is a high It's built to last yeah. a long time. I
7: mean, it's it, it's lighting. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah.
2: It,
6: I I was very, uh, when you guys started the podcast, I was really happy for basically the same reason that you said, because, you know, there isn't, you know, there isn't like a Congress of skeptics and we know exactly what's going on all over the world and who's doing what and what problems are are skeptics having in each country. And so I, I really agreed with your premise and I think it's done, you guys have done a very good job. And I, you know, I talk to people who listen, you know, I'm, I come across people all the time that listen to your podcast, which is, which is very good. Um, good. Great. Thank but you. But I, I am very interested in the idea that of having a world of skeptics all that are representative, all, you know, we have skeptics from all over the world and, you know, may, maybe there would be a benefit to, to having like some formal discussions and align ourselves um, I know that in the past, you know, efforts like this typically don't work. Um, but, you know, I think the people that that I would be interested in, in including would be people that have stuck it out and been doing this for a long time, because I think that's part of the problem. You have to be able to continue to do this and put in all the, the, the that work that basically doesn't pay you back, you know? That means that you care. Um, and if anything, just to just to hear what people are working on, you know, like it's funny. I find out a lot about what happens in Australia by reading the news and Facebook. You know, it's not like Richard and I are talking every week, and he's like, so this is what we're working. You know what I mean? It does it doesn't doesn't come through people. It comes through reading. And I would rather talk. I would rather talk to people and, and get their emotional input as well, not just you know what happened. I want to know what's it like. What are the wh- what bad guys are you fighting, and how are you doing it, and what's it, you know what's it feel like?
7: Yeah. Well, it's interesting also that the different kinds of madness sometimes are restricted to language groups. You know, so mm-hmm. um, the anti-vax stuff was really popular in English because of Andrew Wakefield and because of all of the communication networks, um, yeah. and, and other languages would have their own difficulties that they were dealing with. And we might not know about that unless we exchanged information.
6: Yeah, I agree. I mean, India, as an example, I mean, the stories that I, I get out of India when they infrequently come my way, they're amazing. It, it horrific, you know, horrifically amazing. Like just the amount of weird things that are going on. And I would love to talk to, uh, so you know, guys know who Sonal is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, every time we talk to him, he, he comes out with another story and you're like, my hair gets blown back. It's so amazing. Um, so I would, lo- I would love to have more frequent discussions about what they're doing, what's happening. Maybe there's some type of support that we could we could give some way or but
5: are, you, are you talking about regular meetings like once a month or something? I, mean, like I would think that?
6: once every few months, like once a quarter to start just to, yeah. just to check in and see what's up. You know, I don't want to like pretend that we're going to, we're going to with a, with a meeting that's happening for four or six times a year, say it's not going to change the world, but I think it would give us some perspective. Yeah. And also we could dip into each other's uh, bag of tricks. You know, what are you doing? How's it working? What's effective? What's not, what's not, hmm. um, and also share, you know, you guys in, interviewed 100 people. That's a great list of people. You have contacts with 100 people. You know, they, they could be great guests at, at conferences and, and whatnot. You know, there's there's a lot to it that we could talk about. And the reason why I, I say this, Andres, is because you were talking about, like, the Star Trek, one government to rule the world <laughs> idea. Yeah. And I was yeah. really thinking about it when you I got your email. And I was I was really letting that run through the machine in my head. And I'm like, is that achievable with you is humanity actually capable of achieving that could we have a single government where humanity is at the absolute pinnacle of of what the government is about is is taking care of humanity that that would be amazing yeah i just don't know if we're capable of. i don't
5: know it. let's try let's start with a federation of podcasts and then we'll take it from
0: there based on present evidence <laughs> <laughs> right yeah then we'll take it to the
6: planets okay yeah
0: and, and uh, let's just make sure first that it's uh whatever is being built up uh of of that sort that it is based on democratic yeah. a democratic system because otherwise we can end up with uh people like uh your yeah valued president or your um, president
6: who yeah. or my, it's been, my it, prime it, minister it is yeah, really horrifying but, um, in the United States like it, it, it's on un- it's unbelievable just how polarized the country is it's it's almost 50-50. Yeah, that's amazing.
2: Yeah. We
6: we have an insane narcissist running an incredibly democratic country who is who is right now trying to in one way or another form a coup to take over the government and like only 6 million People got out of bed that day to vote. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I really don't understand how they could be fooled so easily. He's not even charismatic, hmm. which that's the other thing. If, if he was super charismatic, you know, if he was like George <laughs> Clooney, charismatic level, I'd be like, all right, well, at least he's got the charisma backing him up. But, he just doesn't have anything that I get I don't I don't buy into it, it at all I think the yeah. thing that
7: was scariest about him was not so much that he got in for four years because you know he's a TV star and and he had a lot of money to throw at it the thing that scared me most was that he could start disassembling the democratic institutions yeah. because the institutions matter the people don't the people die but um, you know just the way that you could see if he had had another term he would have got to the fundamental machinery of how U.S. democracy runs. That is scary.
6: I totally agree. Yeah, totally. It turned out
5: that he discovered, or I don't know, I don't want to give him too much credit. Maybe he just stumbled on it out of pure stupidity. But what he realized was that the system is not built just on rules and laws and constitution, but also on a lot of norms. Mm -hmm. And if you break the norms, you can do whatever you want to. Yeah. Yeah it turns yeah, yeah. out
6: that the us government doesn't have teeth against itself there you know no. so many t- times and places during the last 4 years i'm looking at it i'm like well that person should get you know there should be a lawsuit because that senator did this or whatever and it, it's not happening you no. know so what what's the what what you know aligns people's motivation with doing what is right because i truly believe that most of the people that support trump in the government like most of them, the big players like the senators were, you know, out and out against him. Right. Yeah. I mean, they were, you know, they, they were literally you know, a year before he got elected, they were cussing him out and saying this guy is, is a train wreck. And now they're backing him. I mean, it's it's. It's really yeah. disgusting.
0: You are right, but I don't think it's a specifically American thing. It's it's not it's not that. I I think it's happening all over the world currently. Yeah, and uh, there I are agree. many many reasons for that. And uh, we as skeptics need to understand the reasons behind all that. And I think um in the chat room um richard richard uh, saunders whom we we've mentioned already uh suggests a very good thing ufsp united federation of skeptical podcasts i think Mm. (laughs) that could be something i like that that's cool oh yeah yeah okay um, shall we listen to uh someone else's uh really good and hopefully inspirational or positive or something. I don't mind Brian just hit us with something that uh that elevates the the mood here.
4: Yeah, get to it. <laughs> I think you're coming to the No pressure. You're coming to the wrong person for that, right? <laughs> no pressure.
3: What do you mean Andres? Did my story about the frozen pieces didn't elevate the mood? <laughs> yeah, it, it,
0: it sure did. No, 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 but we got all depressed about this uh this shit going on in in uh, uh Politics. Well, no. She talked oh, about shit, that. and
6: I talked about <laughs> shit. So
4: now we got to no, move on true. to something else. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> okay. So um, for for my for my piece, I thought I'd go down um, uh, a little bit of memory lane for y'all. So if you think back to five years when when the ESP first came out, it was actually round about the same time that I fully took power um, of Glasgow Skeptics. Um, That that one-person autocracy has been running for just over five years now. And the very, very final event that I hosted that had been organized by my predecessor was uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Mike Goldsworthy. And it was part of an event we'd been asked to take part in at Glasgow Science Center for European Researchers Night. and. Dr. Goldsworthy was speaking about the potential impact on British science of Brexit. So, for for anybody who's been in a coma for the past five years, spoiler (laughs) alert, didn't go well. Uh, You know, so, Jay, you guys weren't the only country that had a slightly disappointing election result in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't go too well for us either. But I thought I'd just... um, jump back into their website and take a look at their um, their, their sort of little mantra or their, their, their sort of things you should know um, about uh, science in EU and the potential impact it was going to have on British science. So let me take you through these five things you should know. Number one, uh, the EU leads the world in science output. Um, it produces over a third of the world's scientific output now, 34% even more than the US. <laughs> Sorry, Jay, we're taking you in that respect. Um, number two, um, the EU powers European and global science networking. So the EU puts 8% of its budget into a multinational science program called Horizon 2020. And UK researchers can pick and mix partners from right across Europe, putting together multinational dream teams. Freedom of movement and a common legislative framework help make cross-border collaboration much easier. Number three, just as my wife comes in for a drink, <laughs> international collaborations have more impact. Network Networking is crucial to being a world-leading science nation. International scientific papers have much more impact than domestic-only research, about 40% more, apparently. Number four, UK science is growing thanks to the EU vision. Um, the EU has been shifting the focus of its budget from agriculture to research, innovation and growth, with the science budget tripling over the last decade. EU funds now make up 17% of the total science research grants in UK higher education institutes. And number five, there's no extra money for science on Brexit. Being a net contributor to the EU budget doesn't mean we profit by leaving. There are wider impacts of pulling the plug with a likely economic drop far bigger than our, uh, our net contribution. This means less money, not more, available for UK science if we leave. So that was, I, and, and I must say, back, back in, in 2015, when I when I met Mike and, and, and he went through that talk um, in front of the, the audience at the Glasgow Science Centre, it was kind of an existential risk, like we didn't necessarily think it was going to happen. And hopefully Deborah's gonna be nodding a little bit back then. Just think back to 2015, do you remember how innocent we were? <laughs> um, and, and, and I remember similarly talking to to, to some folks um, from America pre the November election as well. So I'm happy to see Jay that your country's made uh, I think the right decision this time around four years later on. <laughs> um, unfortunately time for us to do that. Yeah, it's it's a bit late for the UK to do that, so uh, I'm not sure there's a way back for for us maybe there may be a way back for scotland separately we, we yeah should you're see. in a better situation i think i think yeah. all of this
7: is we'll be back in 10 years it's just not on such good terms
6: yeah i agree i think that's likely
4: we'll see all right but deborah if... and by that time we might be out scotland needs it back <laughs> in and we you don't deborah you can come up and stay for a while okay? thank we'll, you
7: we'll, <laughs> i'd appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: But I wanted to just quickly mention, because it's interesting, uh, Brian, you brought up Brexit. What's Brexit again? Is that the kind of sort of breg- breakfast? You? No. Uh, anyway, um, so I, I want, we were talking with Brad uh, not long ago about Brexit because we no longer live in Europe, but we st- I still care about uh, England. And, um, and he said, well, that's interesting because the people were also asked a long time before Brexit uh, about the name of the boat. That they wanted to name. And so the boat name came out, I don't know if you know of that story, Boaty McBoatface. Yeah, and, so and so the Boaty McBoatface yeah. never really uh, materialized because they turned around and said, no, 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 this is a stupid name. You don't know anything. Um, we're not going to count this war, uh, uh, this vote. And yet, when it came to Brexit, <laughs> everybody got super serious. I mean, priorities, people, yeah. priorities. Right? Brexit,
5: Brexit face. That's in all fairness,
0: happened, yeah. I think the little submarine got the boat in boatface boat face as a name for the big ship, which is uh, uh, named after Sir Richard Attenborough. Uh, David Attenborough, sorry, Richard was the other one. Mm-hmm. So it did make it
4: the name. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, sorry to bring the mood down. Maybe the <laughs> next person's <laughs> got a happier
0: story. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha yeah, let's let's give uh, Deborah Deborah a try.
7: Oh right, the, the next person having <laughs> a happier story. Yeah, well, mine's about COVID. Yay! Oh, good. That sounds good. very funny. Yeah. Happy? I'm sorry, <laughs> folks. Um, what a
4: treat for the listeners.
7: <laughs> I was just interested because I was looking at a BBC documentary earlier this weekend, and you might be able to get it if you can get the BBC in your country or on one of your VOD platforms. It was called Lockdown: Following the Science? Question mark and it addressed the question of whether or not the science had been followed in the UK. And there it started with many politicians quoting um, their intention to use the science. At all stages, we have been guided by the science, said Boris Johnson. But I think that that might have led to a rather unnuanced idea of what actually science is. Just to recoup how this happened in the UK, basically, um, uh, more than 50K, um, more than 50,000 people in Britain have been, have died because of COVID. And that's one of the worst in Europe. I don't know whether or not that's an absolute figure or per capita, but we haven't done well. Um, and it's perhaps worse than that, considering that we were on the end of a curve. We had the other uh, examples to look at first in Italy and Spain. So we, we really didn't do so well. There are various advisory bodies that do feed into government policy, and they have very good scientific credentials. There are different. There are sort of impromptu bodies that come together at crisis times. There are ones that are constantly in feed feeding into the government. There's one called Nerve Tag, which is the new and emerging respiratory virus threats advisory group. They report to the chief medical officer. He reports to the government. Um, the problem with that was that they produce a risk for each day. As one of the scientists there said it's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute your risk in the next few seconds is very low indeed but you are going to die and quite soon so it's a mis- so it's, it's it's coming to the understanding of exactly what the nerve tag hazard figure meant um, there's another one, the SPIM, they generate a consensus model from at least three authorities, usually more. And uh, they are the scientific pandemic Influenza group on modeling. They report to Sage, who reports to the government. But that's a matter of having really good data. And what emerged through this was that most people didn't have good data. In some cases, they were using Wikipedia um, or that there was a significant lag in the data and they didn't realize it. So they were modeling for cases that were already, say, seven days or 10 days out of date. Uh, there was another thing called the FF100, the first few 100, uh, the first data set you get within a locale of, um, of people who are ill, where they've come from, how quickly their disease progresses, that sort of thing. There was an epidemiologist who had just come back from the People's Republic of Congo, where he had been helping with an Ebola outbreak there. And he said that the kind of information that we were getting in the UK was worse than he was getting in the Congo. So um, I think obviously in a situation like this, it's unprecedented. People plan for it. The plans aren't going to be perfect. But The thing that worries me, I suppose, is as sceptics, we know that science isn't a god. It isn't one thing. It doesn't embody the truth. It's actually a human endeavour. And that it depends on the data that you put in as to what you get out. Um, It informs, but it doesn't dictate. Sometimes there are good policy reasons... Not to follow the science. Um, for example, do you completely shut your hospitals down and miss early cancer cases? How how does that work out in terms of ultimately the number of deaths that are going to uh, to occur in the long run? Um, the political. I, what I worry is that the political discourse will be very framed around scientific expertise, and there will be the possibility for scapegoating because ultimately. When this happens again, and it will, because we are breaking into uh, into sort of virgin ecosystems all the time. We're more intensively farming, so we'll have more of these types of pandemics. We need more science, not less. Just because some of the data modelling didn't work last time, it doesn't mean that. We should all take homeopathy for the next whatever it is that comes out. I think really this documentary brought up three things for me. The first thing is my favorite phrase, um, you only get answers to the questions you ask. So you'd better make sure that your questions are useful and relevant. Uh, There was a, a huge sporting event, several of them in the UK actually, but one in particular that I was thinking of was when Madrid and Liverpool played a game. There were 100,000 people in an arena and people were evaluating whether it would be safer for that to be cancelled or whether it would be safer for it to go on. One of the things that paid into that was, well, if people are outside, then at least they're in the air and aerosol transmission isn't likely to be as high. But do you really think there would have been 100,000 people packed tightly into pubs as an alternative to that. So it's the way you frame your questions. People had to get there. Um, The second thing was the modelers may be very, very good at their maths, but they can only work with the information you give them. Do the modelers know about the details of the systems they're being asked to model? For example, it was obvious very early on that um, age-related issues uh, were, were were very important with COVID. So um, in the UK, I think in care homes, there was a huge, I mean, a number of people died that by any other standard would be regarded as carnage. Uh, There were 400,000 old people in homes, of whom 20,000 died. Now, old people um, are mostly in, on far more in contact with carers and professional people than people who are younger because they need more assistance. And it turns out this system in the UK employs an awful lot of agency workers. So the modelers were working with the idea of these care homes which could be isolated. In actual fact, they weren't isolated at all. The third thing for me are are the tests um, that we're applying to try and find the truth. Are they relevant to the scenarios that we're talking about? So that, again, that feeds into the care homes and the agency staff issue. Uh, There was a leader, there was a a representative from the care home industry who said that the first thing that he did was went to the government and lobbied for testing. And the government said that um, the advice was that testing didn't actually help. But of course, It may have been correct in one specific case. It may have answered one question, but it wasn't in this particular case. It would have helped enormously if the agency staff could have been tested. So science isn't all just about doing one experiment and getting a figure. It's so much more complicated than that. It's a philosophical endeavour which involves asking the right questions. And hopefully for the next time, we will learn to ask better questions because there will always be a load of Woo merchants out there who will just use this as a scapegoating exercise.
0: Which you are a bit of an expert in. Uh, I am, yes. You've, you've covered it a couple of times uh, from um, <laughs> um, a medieval perspective as well. Like you you, you dug up a, a couple of medieval stories about things like that. So uh, you've even covered that uh, on the ESP Um that they, um, a bit of you gave us a bit of a history of uh, pandemic situations and how people handled it and, yeah uh, i wrote an article
7: on skeptic recently for it and it's kind of yeah. you, to be honest the interesting stuff happens in the years to come well
4: <laughs> all right yeah because it's been uh, bit
2: dull here yeah
7: not so much in our case because of the death toll which has not been as high as many other pandemics but i think the economic like consequences the US, are going yeah. to be incredible
0: yeah yeah yeah. All right. Wow. So Ooh. sorry about someone that. Someone has to. <laughs> someone <laughs> has to bring the moon up. Uh, I think we'll ask uh, Annika to do that with a quiz. But unfortunately, uh, Yalana and Jay have to leave. Guys, thank you very much for joining us today. It's it's been a great pleasure.
6: My pleasure. So, and Congratulations, guys. Thank you. Just keep going. <laughs> thank you very much. You
4: too. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much
3: for having me again, guys. Good guys. Take your time.
4: And say thanks to you yeah, as we'll, well jay take care have fun today Later. <laughs> okay annika bring the mood up for us now unless it's a quiz about- okay so
0: annika are you ready to 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 bring the mood up <laughs> of course of course <laughs> oh yeah make us make us feel stupid
1: <laughs> okay can you all see my screen now
0: yes we can yep.
1: that's very good yeah, so welcome to the awesome quiz of Europe, Skepticism, and everything else only available at the ESP. <laughs> and I'll give you um, a test question first.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> so, where in Europe is the chair of EXO located? A in Brussels, Belgium, B in Rostov, Germany, or C at Claire house? Hmm. <laughs> what would you say? <laughs>
0: I'm going to go C. Uh, should we just say it out? Yeah, what you, can we're guessing, it out. Or- Where, you can just say it are out. Are we talking about a person or an actual chair? Because <laughs> I've seen an actual chair in Rostov in Germany. In You've seen the the chair of, there? In, in, in Martin Mahner's office. And I, th- I I, I, could imagine that it belongs to EXO, but I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you, actually. I think
5: it's uh, Rostov. Unless it's something that Figaro has... In in uh, class, dog.
8: Yeah. So the first chair was actually in Brussels, but now currently it is in Rosdorf. But I'm Ooh. trying to get that chair from Rosdorf to my house. So kind of <laughs> all
2: of, so the, all of options them. <laughs>
8: could possibly be true.
0: So that that is about to become the chair's chair.
8: Yeah. <laughs> good.
1: Good. So good thing that was only a chair. The um, test question. <laughs> so let's start with the actual quiz. I would say. Okay. Good. So. Round one, question one, in Croatian folklore, Karsnik or Karsnika is typically hunting what? Giants? (laughs) Disobedient children? Or vampires? Ooh.
2: Did you see how I think this deep?
5: this is something that Deborah must know. She took a deep breath. Deborah's got to know this, right?
7: this isn't fair because <laughs> if I get this wrong, this is my whole credibility
4: shot.
2: Right.
7: Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say disobedient children. Okay, I lock that in.
4: <laughs> I am also gonna say disobedient children. Definitely not because Deborah just said that. <laughs>
5: Okay, that, mm. that, that's that's not specific for Croatia though. Hunting disobedient children is something you do everywhere. Yeah, but this one. So is I'm going go just to be different.
8: <laughs> so we have both genders here, right? Kršnik is the male, and the Kršnica will be yeah. the yeah. female. So it's So since it's folklore, and we're ah, gonna have then for gender.
0: Someone we'll... speaks a Slavic language here. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
8: I'm going to go with disobedient children as well. Okay.
0: Me too, because it sounds
4: really, really scary. You don't really have
7: to hunt for them. You just look at them and they start, don't you? Mm. Disobedient children are everywhere.
4: Yeah, I've got one right here. Behave.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Very true. (laughs) Or else.
1: (laughs) So Pontus and Andras. I know Andras already said. Giants. Hmm? Giants. Giants, okay. Just
5: because I want to be
0: different.
1: (laughs) Shall I tell um, you the solutions right after every question or at the end?
0: Yes, please. Otherwise we'll die. Okay. Just not knowing.
1: Then I'll tell you what it is, and it is (laughs) Vampires. Oh okay. Okay.
7: (laughs) Yes.
0: All right, perhaps Vampires. Yes.
7: (laughs) I'll I'll stick that on the list.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to suggest. That v- here's here's a research topic for you.
7: Yeah, what's your source, <laughs> by the way? Um, that was actually Wikipedia. Shout out to Susan
1: Gerbic.
0: <laughs> okay. Yay! All right, I'll have a look at the source. Woo! <laughs> More of those coming later, Susan. Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, second question: Which of the following ingredients is not part of a homeopathic remedy? A. The color blue. B. Five G or c the berlin wall
5: hidden answer d all of the above <laughs> or uh, actually all of them are a homeopathic remedy so the other way around yes yeah,
0: so i'm pretty sure uh, i'm pretty sure this is this is everything. not right everything. everything i'm sure you can get Every it single and if you can't one.
5: get it i have a neighbor next door who sells homeopathy <laughs> i'm sure she can fix
0: that up for you we can do it
5: ourselves i'm pretty
4: sure the answer is b i i think i've heard marsh talking about homeopathic blue and homeopathic berlin wall before
8: berlin wall, definitely. the berlin the berlin wall is
0: definitely
4: yeah. there yeah. i don't
8: exists. think they have the 5g uh, one i do on have it. that what, what was it there no, they, they don't have the five G homeopathy yet. I'm, I'm, I think next month or something we should expect that coming out. <laughs> you should
4: send some homeopathy. Seriously,
0: we could we could make it at home. Yeah. So what does the homeopathic remedy of the
4: Berlin Wall do? Protect you against walls? I mean, it, no, it protects you against uh, David Hasselhoff concerts. No,
8: it protects you. Like it brings people closer.
0: Isn't it? Oh. I think yeah, it was claustrophobia. claustrophobia. I think it was against claustrophobia.
8: No, I thought it was because, like, because the you know Berlin Wall divided. So then, uh, taking homeopathy from the Berlin Wall actually brings people closer. Wasn't that the case?
0: Yeah, but I've I've heard that it's used for claustrophobia. But uh, I think it it works equally well against both of both, those. Yeah
2: I'm, sure. yeah. Right. yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm
4: pretty sure you're right. I almost said, "Oh, that's good logic, there, Claire." And and it's not really good <laughs> logic, but it's it's good. <laughs> what a homeopath would think logic is. So, yeah, uh, good, good call. Definitely.
0: <laughs> Other picks. Susan writes, uh, uh, she has seen the Berlin Wall homeopathy one. So, uh, and uh, <laughs> did it work, Susan? Oh, oh uh, don't cheat with so the chat. That's us- not fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're getting help from. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. Susan, no, don't help. <laughs> everyone, else everyone else
4: does. Everyone else does. Everyone can uh, see yeah, the chat Yeah, but not all of us. <laughs> <in blue>. yeah, <laughs> I realize. Quizmaster quiz master
0: Annika.
1: I, don't know if I said cheating.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're know, You know, I'm trying to run the show here, so I'm I'm looking everywhere. Aha. <laughs> Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Annika can can I think Andra should be deducted points
1: yes. for that?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean I mean Andy
5: I'm okay with that. <laughs> Andy I'm would okay with that. Good for this.
1: <laughs> okay, other picks <clears throat> from you guys. So Brian and Claire said 5G.
5: What well you... if there's uh, if there's something it's that one but I think that there's a, a homeopathic uh, thing f- with 5G as well. And if it if not there will, will
0: be one tomorrow because they've just missed it. <laughs> I vote A mm-hmm. just for good measure because I'm pretty sure it's 5G but uh I want to be fair.
1: <laughs> and Deborah what do you think? Oh, 5G, points. yeah, 5G. 5G. Okay. And you are absolutely right it's 5G yet <laughs> i particularly found the color blue very nice i have to say <laughs> because they're not mm, talking about okay. food dye here or anything they're talking about the actual
0: and moonlight there is one yes. one from uh, of moonlight yeah it's made out of moonlight
1: well we that's also talked good. about british sunlight do you remember it's also a homeopathic oh, yes. remedy <laughs> <laughs> yes that's right
0: but british that sunlight. that's in a in contradiction in terms <laughs> yeah. Gabor Rajko, who up until friday was the, the the president of the hungarian skeptics when i took over he has a congratulations so he has quite an extensive collection of um, different homeopathic products but uh, as susan writes on the chat window uh what where we saw that and where she saw that uh berlin wall homeopathy one uh was in the gvop office yeah so it's in rossdorf right yeah 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 that's um, because we visited that
1: that you also (laughs) went to the went to the hanuman museum right
0: oh okay so
1: it could also have been there
0: Hahnemann museum oh very nice all right so okay let's,
1: let's next question The nine hikers who died in the Yatlov Pass incident were were from which institute?
5: Ooh,
0: this is hard. This is hard,
1: yes. So, A, the Euro Polytechnical Institute, B, the Euro State Law Academy, or C, the Euro Federal University. A. Wow. So, Claire says A.
5: I also say E. Why why so quick there, Claire? Is this something I should know?
8: I first, for some
5: reason,
4: I feel
8: that it was this one, but I don't know yet. I will see.
4: Ah, uh, you trust your feelings. Okay, good. <laughs> There's a good episode of the Skateboard <laughs> podcast about about the, the bilateral pass incident, and I heard it spoken about somewhere else as well. DSP, I think. He <laughs> vaguely rings a bell. Did it, no, it at some no, point? <laughs> no, of course not.
5: Why would you? Why would you? <laughs> I think I talked about this. And for, I can't remember why, but was this the one uh, where they I got disoriented in the snow <laughs> uh, yeah you know. talked
8: about you didn't remember why now you don't even remember the correct answer
5: <laughs> no that's that's
0: me i forget i mean i read just i just read things i don't understand them <laughs> according to some the diatlov parts wikipedia page is one of the most popular ones actually so. i'm changing my answer to c just to mess with the others
8: okay
7: i i'm gonna assume that if they were from the polytechnical institute they would have had more um hands-on uh sort of um useful skills to bring to the situation so it, they couldn't think. think yeah yeah polytechnic students yeah yeah they would have learned they would know how to saw things and so what would you pick uh university federal university okay
1: and andras
0: i pick an a
1: okay did everybody pick yet? Yeah? I think so. Okay, then I'll tell you the answer, and it's A, the Ural Polytechnic Institute.
8: My feelings were <laughs> right. Oh!
5: <laughs> I'm going with Claire for in the future. I'm going to whatever she picks. I'll do that. Just trust so her you, you got a
0: GWC? Is it? Is it what they call it uh, in in the SG? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs>
1: Okay, next question. A piece of writing by a part of the well-known sceptical family called Huxley inspired an American band name. Which band am I talking about? A. The Purple, B. The Doors, or C. Insane Clown Posse.
7: Clearly the only European question I know the answer to the dates to the 30 years (laughs) war. (laughs) I haven't got a clue about any of the Insane Clown (laughs) Posse.
4: Is, is that uh, how you spell posse with a Y?
7: In this instance, yes.
4: Is it really? Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> weren't they the ones who, got uh, who confused about sang magnets? about? Yeah, confused about magnets
4: and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I will. Fucking s- magnets! How do they work? So I, I'm I'm <laughs> going to rule out the insane clown posse because of that, and and I'm going to go for I'm going to go for the doors.
0: Uh, uh, me too. Kay. I'm going with the doors. I'm going with C, and I say because Huxley, <laughs> it sounds like it could could have been, um um I don't know, a clown's name at some point. Uh, I think we need reinforcements. I may have called a friend to join us. Uh, you'll see in a few seconds, maybe. <laughs> David Gloss? Of- David Gloss, yeah. Says He says that it should be spelled uh, P-O-S-S-E okay
4: okay <laughs> so i i was right then excellent i, it's, I thought it was possible oh. with an e right oh, an e. oh brian's found a friend yeah yeah she thinks the is <laughs> definitely the door <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay so um who still needs to pick i a haven't Claire, so, I think, yeah,
8: yeah. I, I really didn't know like like the doors is such a like a basic random name they? why would it like be? an inspired thing from someone's writing so I'm going to go with C because that just sounds
2: weird (laughs) okay
5: no I think that was deep I think uh, deep not deep purple I think uh, the doors were pretty philosophical I think that's uh, sort of a door to another universe or something like that so I'm going with B
1: okay I think Deborah, you still need to pick oh no I I
7: chose insane clown posse because I just you know oh okay (laughs)
1: Because
4: I it wasn't spelled
2: that.
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the right answer here was the doors. Eggman oh, is on yes. fire tonight. Uh, that's
4: yeah. what you get for drinking on a Sunday night. Which, give it a try. <laughs> I will.
1: Yeah, it was um, Elders Huxley who wrote the doors of perception, and Jim Morrison got inspired by
0: that. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And drugs. drugs. How many? How many questions <laughs> have we got on one round? Fine. Um, this one,
1: like the last yeah. one, and then and then the round is done. Good, good, good. Okay, so last question of this round. Good. And that is, oops, sorry.
0: That is, whoops. Oh, someone just joined us. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> Hi, Richard. Someone just joined Richard. us. Richard's surprise. Oh, I'm
5: sorry. Oh, hey.
9: <laughs> I think I'm in the wrong podcast. This is the Skeptic Zone Anniversary podcast. Oh, really? Oh, it really? Is indeed. Yeah, welcome. 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 You're just in
5: time for the last uh, Yeah, just in time uh, for the last there. question
1: of the first round. <laughs>
9: <laughs> Big congratulations, by the way. I know how hard it is to uh, keep churning out a podcast week after week. How, how, how do you know that, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I listen to the E.S.P. Oh. Oh. <laughs>
0: do we complain about that that much?
9: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <I'm
2: sorry. laughs> Carry on. Okay,
1: so the Malleus Maleficarum, which is, as we all know, the religious texts that underprint the Spanish Inquisition was originally published in which European country? A. Germany, B. Italy, or C. France. Well,
7: this would be very embarrassing if I didn't get this, wouldn't it? Um, I'm trying to look for my copy of it, because it's just behind me somewhere. Um, well, the, the two uh, inquisitors who wrote it were uh, Kramer and Sprenger. So I'm going to guess That's Germany, nice. and Germany was the place of the worst yeah. witch hunts. so yeah.
4: I'm going Germany too. So good.
1: Brian and Deborah go Germany?
5: I think so too. I'm, I'm I'm surprised that Spain wasn't one of the the, all, all <laughs> the options, but uh, it's Germany it is.
7: Okay, I say Italy. Um, Italy, Spain was a, was a very strange kind of late witch outbreak, which was in effect it was anti-Semitism. It was uh, catching a load of um, Jewish converts a generation later, so it was a very peculiar kind of an Inquisition compared to the rest of Europe. <laughs>
8: And Claire, what what do you feel? What uh, do you feel? Okay, no, say? no, no! I already answered it right at the beginning. Um, that it was Germany. Okay. And uh,
1: the right answer is, of course, Germany.
0: <laughs> Woo, of course. <laughs> <Very good.
1: laughs> well, of course. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> okay, so that was um, round one. I'll stop the screen yeah. transfer now.
5: I, I don't know if you know what you signed up for, Richard. But we were going to go on for a couple of hours more. But
9: <laughs> that's all right. It, it's 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 a cold. Well, it's not cold, but it's a wet, rainy day here in Sydney. So what else am I? Yeah, exactly. Box?
5: Not not shave, I guess. <laughs> not yeah, you, you're growing a bit there. <laughs>
1: Oops. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Says me again. Yeah. So all right, I'll just count the the points mm-hmm. and um so maybe somebody else wants to start with a story
0: yeah richard Mm -hmm. (laughs) have you prepared something
9: (laughs) no i have not prepared anything at all but i will tell you one thing that i've been having great success with lately on on my own podcast the skeptic's own podcast and this Mm -hmm. came about because one Mm -hmm. and you probably can um sympathize with me one day some weeks ago a couple of months ago i had a big gap in the show i had to fill i thought what am i going to do i've I've got this big gap and then i went to the online um resource of digitized newspapers in australia going back to the almost to the uh, the start of the country you know almost 200 years and i've put in skeptical uh words and phrases like ESP, Ouija board, UFOs. Must have gotten a lot of uh, hits on ESP, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And I've found a wealth of stuff going back into the early part of last century even before then on all the topics, uh, the good old classic topics we love to talk about. And I've just discovered, which I'll put on my own show next week, that people were offering money and sceptical of the claims of water divining and water dowsing in 1945 and 1912. Wow. So I thought that was very interesting. I thought it was James Randi coming here in 1980 who started that whole thing about offering money and prizes and being skeptical about water dividing, But it goes back for decades and decades and decades. So that, uh, that's that been a really interesting thing and it really gives me a great perspective on skeptical. Yeah,
5: that, that's true, Richard. I've listened to to uh, your podcast, of course. And I've listened to that, and it's really comforting to hear that people were skeptical even Way back, it's not something that we invented or Randy invented. Even people have always questioned. People w-
0: were skeptical even before uh, colonizing Australia.
5: Yeah. Some people. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical about
9: Australia in general, but right. Well, I know it, it doesn't really exist, and everybody in Australia is—we're really in the south of France, but we like to tell people we're actually on the other side of the planet. I thought you were right?
8: holograms. No.
9: Yeah, I'm a hologram, but I'm not going
5: to tell you. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Australia is is over the edge of of uh, the earth. Actually, the flat earth. It yeah. is behind yeah, the ice wall. Uh, you are.
9: Yeah. No, no, yeah, we are behind the ice wall that you guys. I don't know what it's like on the other part of the world, but but. It might be worth, no matter where you're listening to us um, around around the world, <laughs> on the flat earth or wherever you think you are, why not dive back into the digitized um, newspaper archives of your own country, have a look. You might be really surprised to see what skeptical investigations were going on way back, way back in the early part of last century and before the organized skepticism movement started
7: there were people trying to debunk um the the fox sisters you know in the in the mid 19th century in right. the US so it's uh, it, it's great to know and and people who were debunking witch hunters actually centuries prior to that so it's good to know that as well as the crazy side of human nature there are always people willing to um, uh, to take those ideas on
8: like a very interesting and they, they organized
0: as well yeah. like uh, the um, society against quackery in the netherlands yeah uh, it 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 was founded in the 19th century so it's the oldest ever organization of this sort of in the world so yeah oh um so uh, i think we are moving on to the next but before that I hear that Deborah has to leave. I do. So sorry to hear that. I do.
7: Sorry oh. to go. Um, it's been absolutely do fantastic. Come back. I will do. Thank you for inviting me onto this. And um, thank many, you for, many, thank many you for congratulations thank on your 250th anniversary. That's absolutely stunning body thank of work. Thank you
0: so much. Thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks yeah. for celebrating with us. Bye-bye.
4: Take care, Deborah. Bye.
0: Take care. Take care. Bye. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
4: Right, now she's off. We can talk shit about her now. What? <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's going on?
4: <laughs> I'm only uh, It's
2: well. just
0: it's just Brian being Brian. <laughs> it's nothing oh. else. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: So um, I I think I've I've uh, forgot to mention something that um, Pontus is wearing wearing a um, pretty interesting uh, um, T-shirt that is jag är er skeptisk. Is it how, how do you say that? Oh, that's perfect. Jag är er skeptisk. Does it mean that <laughs> I am skeptic? I'm a skeptic. Or it means like I that? am skeptical. 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 That's what it means. Skeptical. Skeptical. Yes. Very nice. Skeptisk. Mm. Okay. Right.
5: Um, mm. yeah, this is, a, this is the VOF. Maybe I can turn around and see there's a logo on the back. Can you see that?
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and nice. uh, by the way, thanks the very much Vof for logo. Yeah. Thanks very much for VOF to um, the opportunity to stream our show on the, the VOF <laughs> channel. <laughs> yes. That was uh, me. Okay. That was quite a last minute thing.
2: Yeah. Uh, but we I am have wearing a, a very
0: nice t-shirt as well, I don't know if you've noticed. It's from last mm-hmm. year, when it, it was the, the 150th anniversary of uh, the the periodic table. CFI Canada. Yes, and CFI Canada. Yeah, And how clever is this, CFI Canada? And uh, I'm pretty sure that at least some of uh, the CFI Canada people that I've become friends with in the last uh, several years uh, of uh, traveling to their wonderful country every summer they they gave it to me last year um mm. it was uh shauna watson who who gave it to me and uh, kevin brown says that he's listening and I, he he keeps um, ch- um commenting on the chat window as well so i think he he good. is listening thank you very much for that kevin everybody should do that i told you i would be wearing this so i am good
5: I just want to point out that I had to pay for my
0: T-shirt.
9: <laughs> I had to travel travel across the world for that. Yeah, I'll send you one. Thank you. I love both the T-shirts. They're fantastic. But Andres, I'm I'm jealous. I am so jealous. You get to go to Canada. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm often in the United States, apart from this year, where we're often nowhere at the moment. But uh, I used to live in Canada when I was a young boy. Not many people know that, so... I haven't been back for many years, so I'm very jealous. Did mm-hmm. the deport they, they deport you, Richard? You. What Richard, crime did what you, crime. you carry? <laughs> everybody, everybody li- who lives
5: in Australia lives there because they were yeah. deported. You should know that. Bradley. He like, violated
9: a moose or something. Yeah. Well, well, in, in my Richard. in my family, in my family, it's true. I'm I'm descended from about thirteen people who were asked to leave Great Britain. <laughs> well, <Perus>. it turns out <laughs> like he got out at the right time, Richard. So
4: you know,
9: it's not all bad. <laughs>
8: all those yeah, annoying actually, bunkers actually- they were ruining the fun for everyone so they just shipped you away
0: yeah <laughs> so um, um yeah getting back to tra- uh, traveling is is something that i'm <sighs> For some reason, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it. But if uh, things get back to normal, I might end up uh, being on the go all the time as, again. But I definitely want to go back to Canada. And uh, they said at uh, the company that I work for as a tour guide that uh, they might be sending me to Australia as well. So uh, if life <laughs> get, gets back to close to normal, I might be going your way. Um, I will let you know if that happens.
9: Yeah, we can, we'll we we'll, we'll wait. I mean, I can't wait till life gets back to normal. I, I yeah. miss, yeah. I really miss. It's, it's nice we can do this. It's great. I, I think it's a terrific thing. But I really miss seeing uh, a lot of my friends on the annual get-togethers, whether it's Las Vegas or New York or uh, QED or whatever it is. That, in, that is so important. So I very much look forward to uh, getting back to that again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
9: And going on skeptical conventions, that is,
0: oh, we miss QED. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, Claire, what have you got for
8: us? So, kind of, uh, Richard did the perfect opening for my story without knowing that. But, you know, we're telepathically connected. So, you know, I just sent him the idea I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
8: I was thinking because um, in your email, you said we should, you know, give a story about what moved us or something connected with European, the European skeptics podcast and everything. So I kind of thought back through the last five years and uh, I realized that, of course, most of us who are in the skeptic movement don't really get compensated for that in any way. We do it as a hobby and we do the best we can in our free time for our own country or our own area or region, city, whatever. And then a couple of of us also try to squeeze in this kind of international work. But seriously, Andras, Pontus and now Annika, you guys are doing the most when it comes to building the bridges and connecting everyone, making sure we across Europe know what's going on. And uh, I just like, remember the first time I actually got to see the people behind the actions because we all you know, communicate online, but we're all from different parts of the world. So having that opportunity to meet up at various conferences, events, uh, skeptic get-togethers, and actually see the people you've been communicating with and really admiring their work from afar and uh, kind of ha- being be inspired by them and actually see them in the flesh. They do exist. They're not holograms, but really see the people who are putting in that much work with the love for skepticism and for, uh, for trying to make the world a little bit better it's always so amazing and fills you with so much energy and it gives you such a big kick in the butt to you know continue on with your own work and I really missed that this year too that we can get to we didn't get to see each other and I did not like you kind of like didn't have to kick yourself in the butt which is kind of difficult to do uh, (laughs) when it comes to that and I'm just really looking forward to meeting with everyone and having that big jolt of inspiration and skeptic love that we always give each other at skeptic conferences.
2: That's,
9: it's absolutely that's okay. true. It's, it's yeah. the old expression, it recharges the batteries. It, and one of the criticisms that people still like to level is that, oh, you skeptics all get together for a weekend and you all congratulate each other and you preach to the choir. And I say, yes, <laughs> it's great. We can <laughs> see each other. We're seeing friends. We're learning from each other. So yeah, so, yeah. why why are people so upset that they think that we do this? It's crazy. Every social uh, interest in life has a group they get together of like-minded people and talk wow. about things they like. Yeah. and, and I, I it think... doesn't necessarily mean
0: it's a cult-like thing. It's uh, and yeah. that's what I got from us from several people when we start. Or uh, the whole community mourned uh, uh, James Randi. Of course, uh, we all did, and we we all did our tributes in our own ways, and. Uh, but one thing that I really uh, liked about how he was uh, looked up on by everyone was that he he was not like this uh, guru-like figure. He was he was like a um, a teacher. But I I'm, I'm trying to be careful with that word as well because all the gurus are calling themselves okay. teachers. But he was so true, so full of love towards everyone, and yet so thorough and and strict when it came to using logic and using uh the methods of of critical thinking and and skepticism and uh that's very unique and uh that that's what uh, elevates me every time that i um, i get to spend time with skeptics uh and especially in person that's that's amazing
8: definitely no i uh, you know talking about preaching to the choir and everything like if you're a fan of like a of soccer you always find people who like you i mean like you you will always find a very big group of people with whom you can share your interests right but if you're a skeptic yeah. you're not gonna find that many friends let's be honest <laughs> that's <laughs> right
2: i mean that's we, right. Deserve,
8: we deserve to be among friends for one week in a year i mean that's exactly. fair.
4: i think that's the <laughs> least yeah. and, and look, <laughs> yeah. on, on top of that like uh, you know, my, my recollections of the bar at QED on a Saturday, not a lot of conversation going on about skepticism <laughs> and stuff. Not really, you know. And, and also the fact that we, we don't we don't sit around patting each other's backs for the, those entire yeah. weekends either. There's, there's plenty of disagreement and, and, and healthy discussion going on. So, you know, yeah. in, in that respect, right. definitely not like a cult, you know. Must try yeah. harder, make it more cult-like.
5: Unless it's a cult to get together and disagree
9: about stuff. Well, that's true.
5: That's true. (laughs) That's our specialty.
9: (laughs) So just quickly, I'll give you an example of how not like a cult it is of people agreeing with each other. Now, for many years, I was involved with the James Rainey Educational Foundation's $1 million prize challenge at the Amazing Meeting. So at the end of the Amazing Meeting, on the last day, we'd set up a a challenge live on stage and somebody would be tested for the $1 million dollars. And we did the best we could. It was a team of us. We worked very hard, the whole convention, to get this right. We made mistakes, of course. We got the protocol slightly wrong or this was slightly wrong, whatever. They were usually okay. But the criticism we got immediately after from an audience of skeptics who are looking for every possible thing that we stuffed up or made errors in, and we would really get copped a lot of criticism afterwards a lot of it good natures but that's not like a you can't well, get more uh, unlike, uh, unlike a cult, a cult. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. true
8: like that's like one thing yeah. you know that of course when you like do public appearances for the general public you're not really that worried about how your the general public will receive you you're always worried what will the comments be in the skeptic groups about this <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what you that's what what friends are for right <laughs>
0: Exactly, yeah mm. you know, it, it actually really keeps you from doing stuff uh I waited years before I started my uh my blog because i've've I've always had an issue with with publishing something because uh yeah Pont, Pontus and and Annika uh can can tell you uh, how much I worry about all that that it has to be right it has to be good it has to be it has to be okay it has to be aware research and uh and I always end up losing the interest and I've I've got like now, I think I've got six or eight um, uh, friends. Uh, different posts, uh, unpublished on my. They on are my very blog. promising. Uh, we've heard so, but we yeah. won't see them. Yeah, but yet. they're not ready because I I, I lost interest <laughs> in the in the process uh, of of uh, doing all the research and everything, and 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 I lost the momentum and. Pfft. And that's because I wanted, wanted it to be right and wanted it to be correct and, and stand the scrutiny of all the skeptics out there. <laughs>
8: yeah. yeah, like when yeah. I was, for example, working on my article about the history of skepticism that went out in the skeptic, I consulted with András, so thank you again for your help with that uh but hmm. yeah but if i was like waiting i was like thinking okay who's going to correct me who's going to correct me and of course there were corrections yes. because of course there were <laughs> <But> <laughs> you forgot to add this person and you forgot to add this okay. person i was like yeah well you know marsh oops, already oops, told oops. me that the article was too long and he had to divide it in two so i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: Actually, speaking of not uh, being perfect skeptics, maybe I should go next because that would sort of logically Uh, follow. That would have been my suggestion anyway. So, yeah. All right. Okay. No, because I'd like to share a story that's a little bit embarrassing for me. Personally, uh, but I think maybe it's a cautionary tale and also a reminder that we're nobody's perfect. Yeah, especially don't, don't not worry. Me.
4: The rash will clean up soon enough, Pontus. Just <laughs> keep <it in> the <laughs> no, no yeah,
5: that's another story. We we agreed we shouldn't talk about that, Brian.
4: Okay, okay. for you. No,
5: so this is a story from before I discovered the skeptic movement. Uh, I I didn't even know there was such a thing. Uh, I didn't know I was a skeptic, though I probably was in a way. I had those tendencies, but I didn't have the tools. So this is around not too long ago, 2008, which actually maybe is a long time ago. But um, anyway, I've always been very interested in history, and also especially when new angles come up. things People discover things that, that wasn't known before. So I came across this best-selling book as a pocket. It maybe I think it was on, on an airport or something, because I traveled a lot at the time. It was called 1421, The Year China Discovered America. And it was written by a guy called Gavin Menzies. I see nods. Have you heard about this? Uh, the, no, the, book, the book? Yeah, yeah. yeah I have yeah, 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 heard about it. it. I, I haven't read, it,
9: read it, it, but I've heard of it. it. was Menses. fascinating. It
5: was fascinating at the time, I should tell you. Uh, so, so Gavin Menzies is a British retired ex submarine kind of guy. I don't know exactly what the rank was, but he was in the Royal Navy, so British. Uh, and he, he claimed that he had discovered irrefutable proof that a Chinese fleet left China in 1421 to map out the whole world by assignment by the emperor. And he describes in the book how this was done and And, uh, uh, and, and later there was a change in, in the dynasty or whatever. Uh, so after this attempt to charter the whole world, China went back and and, and isolated itself against, against the world. But there was this one fleet that went out to charter the whole world. Uh, so it was fascinating stuff. Um, there were supposed to be maps of these adventures and also evidence around the world from, from the adventure that they had. And uh, even that when Columbus went to America Uh, like, what was it, 80 years later or something, or 70 years later, he he claimed that he had found Asian people there. And this book claims that, yes, it's right, it was Chinese who who had gotten there before him. So it was a huge bestseller. Uh, It was followed up, actually, by by more books, one called uh, 1434. And that explained how the Chinese had actually gone to Italy and taught... Leonardo da Vinci, everything they knew about, so all the the drawings of all the fantastic uh, uh, inventions and stuff was actually Chinese, but uh, Leonardo da Vinci had just copied them, etc. So by the second book, that I was starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable that that didn't really sound right to me, but I it was I was still very very fascinating about this Chinese meeting the Pope at the time, etc. But uh, at the time, the point is that I, at the time I had no skills to recognize logical fallacies. Or, and I also I was so naive to believe that nobody would publish such a thing without having checked it. And, you know, it would be sincere and it would be true and it would be right. Even, I mean, even if a guy who writes stuff can be delusional, the, the publishers would have stopped it if it wasn't right. So I even bought copies of this book and handed it out to family and friends and said, have you heard about this fantastic thing? And of course, it's all nonsense. And even, you know, even on the jacket of the book that I still have somewhere, it says, and I quote, in the course of researching the book 1421, uh, he, the author, visited 120 countries, over 900 museums and libraries, and every major seaport of the late Middle Ages. Come on. Nobody does that. 120 la- uh, countries? I-, I should have smelled a rat. Or I should have had the-, the red flags. It must have been Santa. Yeah, but I, I <laughs> bought it. So the point is that we were all stupid in a way. Uh, and-, and-, and nobody can say that they're too smart to be fooled. Yeah, uh, because you need the tools, you need to be uh, educated and, and need to have the training to recognize these, you know, logical fallacies, fallacies or whatnot. So I, I usually I, I sometimes go out to, to uh, students being around 16, 17, 18 or something and talk to, to them about skepticism. And um, I tell them, I don't believe that I'm smarter than anybody else. I I I'm stupid enough. Well, I'm smart enough to realize. You don't believe you know. I I realize <laughs> I need I need these tools to keep me from being stupid. So so uh, we need to be skeptical, but it's an acquired uh, skill. You have to learn how to be that. And um, uh,
9: the, we could we could coin a new phrase. You're smart enough to know how stupid. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes that's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. it. That could be the that could be the point. Yeah. Yes,
5: yes, uh, that's my next T-shirt. That's my next T-shirt, <laughs> uh, and especially in this case. Because, well, going back to this book, this nonsense book, is that it hit me in this right in my sweet spot, where I wanted to learn something that nobody else knew. It would turn around, special about history, it would be turn around everything we knew about everything, and that would. And that was very, very um, appealing to me. So that's why I fell for it.
8: No, my colleague actually, the reason I know this book was because my colleague was using that book as his main argument uh, that these kinds of issues are much more dangerous than homeopathy or like the issues that we can clearly debunk. These kind of books or ideas, arguments, which seem so real on the first glance, are much more Insidious than uh, the easily debunked things, and he believes that as skeptics, we should like concentrate more on like debunking these kind of commonly accepted things that actually, when you look at them, are not true.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Right. Yeah. yeah. Of, co- of course. Of a- course. A couple of years later, this same author uh, published a book called "The Lost Empire of Atlantis." Yeah. And maybe I <laughs> wouldn't I have
0: fallen for fall of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Moving on to Anika's story. So wh- what have you got for us?
1: In uh, 2012, which is not, of course, in the five years, but it's like the, the introduction of the story, a book called Die Homöopathie Lüge, The Lie of Homeopathy was um, published and was written by Christian uh, Wehmeyer and Nicole Heisman. And um, it caught the attention of someone who probably all of us have heard of. She read the book, She got really angry about it. I'll tell you who it was later. Uh, She decided to write a book in defense of homeopathy, being a homeopathic doctor herself. So she started reading studies and researched homeopathy and discovered that her work was actually not built on scientific evidence. Do you already know who I'm talking about? I do. So Natalie Grams (laughs) published her book Homeopathy Reconsidered in 2015 and that's where the five years tie in and her whole life basically turned around in that regard. She um, was the co-founder of the Informationsnetzwerk Homeopathy or Information Network Homeopathy. She uh, was in several TV shows. She's still pretty famous in Germany um she there were also of course downsides to to that um she got threatened to be sued she got um persecuted by homeopath or like people who believe in homeopathy she said there's there's no evidence for the um effectiveness of homeopathy beyond the placebo effect and got threatened to be sued in that regard she was the head of the information network homeopathy for five years, so pretty much the whole time of this podcast. <laughs> now Jutta Hübner is the head, but um this story just shows how massively important it is to look beyond one's own biases. And um it also shows, and that's why I also wanted to tell you this story, how um brave someone like Natalie Grams is because she she um looked at her own biases and she confronted herself with it and um to give this whole thing a personal angle which also has to do with the eu funnily enough um someone came to germany um about yeah maybe four to five years ago on eu science funding and um he was a mutual friend or like we met through a mutual friend and we actually had a very interesting conversation about how Bolox homeopathy and other um, alternative uh, treatments are. And that was the moment we actually were like, huh, you're pretty cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, the, so the story, the personal story in that regards ends with, um, we're married now, <laughs> we're Ooh, expecting. Scotty! And uh, so, yes, <laughs> that's how Scotty and I met. and so pretty much through alternative medicine. So it was effective in that regard. (laughs) And yeah, it was. (laughs) No, through
2: skepticism,
4: that is. Yeah. So um, that's my story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that's my story.
9: (laughs) So do be schwanger, yeah?
1: Yes. (laughs) What did you say? Thank you. Oh he just insulted my whole family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, so what was it? What was it? What was it? He asked if I was pregnant. <laughs>
8: before okay. guys, guys, before we came live, we were talking about making a list of skeptic babies. That means skeptic babies that were born after the person became a skeptic. So, uh, if you have a skeptic baby, I'm sure András and Pontus and Anika would really love if you left it, you know, in the comments, and we can put together a, an awesome skeptic baby list. Yes. Oh yeah. You also, don't have to or, put the or, names in yeah, if you want to keep it uh, yeah. a
5: secret.
0: Right, yep. because we like to eat them.
8: <laughs> yeah, they're
0: especially s- good for
1: satanic rites. If <laughs> or send
0: them to the to the the, the, the Croatian. What, oh, that, that was for vampires. Sorry, <laughs> <The karstnik. laughs>
2: Yeah, this is
0: this is how misinformation sets in, and and yes. it sits in your the back of your mind, and it's uh, impossible to get rid of it. So i um, <laughs> <laughs> This is how it works. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very nice. So that's a lovely story, and uh, it's great that you you uh, basically met through skepticism so, uh, through your, your being a skeptic, and, and that's amazing. I wonder how many couples there are who who have met uh, too few on skeptical skeptical occasions. Yeah, and one of the reasons might be that there are always too few women uh, in the skeptic movement. <laughs> And I'm very, very happy. Per, that, that's your perspective. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about, no, uh, I, know well. I'm not talking about my loss.
4: <laughs> uh, it sounds like you're advertising here, Andreas. No, 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 yeah, I'm exactly. not advertising. No, 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 no. It may work just, for my call, just... but I'm not sure it works for everyone. If you, Tinder.
2: Through,
0: if you look through this, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. No, if you look through the skeptical um, movement, there are certain fields where there are Women. And I think in Germany, it's quite, there is quite a good balance, gender balance um, in the movement. But elsewhere, you kind of get the feeling that that it's mostly men. And um, I'm so happy that on this panel today, I mean, not currently, but earlier, <laughs> while we had everyone on, uh, we had a 50 50 gender distribution, which is quite good. Mm. And um, I'm very happy about that. Thank you very much for allowing me
9: to tell you that. Um, <laughs> we couldn't stop you, could we? Can you we? imagine a skeptical Tinder? Oh. And it says, what's your star sign? Oops, no,
2: sorry.
8: That would be hilarious, though. I think we should like, start an app like that, just like, for conferences and stuff. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder how popular it would be. Um, but talking about um, skeptical conventions and meeting skeptics, uh, I'd like to... Oh, Susan says that Valkyria and Ryan met and married because they were both GSOW editors. So GSOW Ooh. being guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia. And that's right. I And I actually knew that.
8: You know what a special oh, edition of like, right. the skeptic magazine in the style of like a gossip magazine and just like do like, yes. photos of couples and the babies and everything like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs>
9: But, but I think, I'm, I'm uh, giving... Susan Gobek watching us at the moment. Hello, big shout out to Susan Gobek and all your fabulous um, editors around the world at uh, Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia. It's uh, it's an amazing job. Yeah. And actually, my story
0: is about um, an adventure that we went on with Susan, Mark Edward and uh, Lubomir Baburov uh, from Bulgaria. And after that, the 2017 um, European Skeptics Congress, uh, we went on quite a tour. We started in Germany, where we stopped at at least three or four places. And um, one of them was uh, Göttingen, where um, uh, the the local skeptics um, uh, took us in. And uh, they organized a a very nice event for us and uh, Rüdiger. Who i i'm i don't know if he's listening but uh i hope he he still listens to the show uh he, he was our host and he was very lovely then we we moved on we went to frankfurt as well where we met Annika and scotty in person that was uh, that Woo-hoo! was lovely we went, <laughs> we went to the the museum the museum yep. of natural history as well didn't we yeah and then we went to Rostorf, where we saw the headquarters of GWP, the German Skeptical Movement. And the chair. And the, and the, <laughs> the, the, the chair that the we chair. mentioned
2: earlier.
0: <laughs> the chair. And uh, we met up with uh, Martin Manner, who, who runs the show there uh, for, for GWP. And we actually visited the, the control center of the European Space Agency as well, thanks to Lubo, who organized that, that uh, visit. Uh, before, right before we went on to to meet up with Natalie Grams, and she was so lovely, and she she sh- showed us around. Um, uh, Heide- was it Heidelberg? Is is that uh... probably yeah? Yeah, I think so. Then we had an event uh, in uh, Switzerland where Marko Kovic and the gang uh, organized an event for us. Uh, a very nice and lovely, lovely chat with a talk and uh, and a panel discussion. And uh the last stop, no, among the last stops, was Cesena in Italy, where there was a chickup fest going on, uh, for chickup is being being the Italian um skeptical organization. And uh James Randy was there as well, so we basically followed him from um all the way from um uh the Czech Republic and and Poland, where he attended the European Skeptics Congress as well. So wow that was great that was lovely and then we we moved on we uh went up to meet um local skeptics in ljubljana in uh, slovenia and um susan at the end gave a talk at um, an event uh, organized by the hungarian skeptics so she did quite a tour and she um she called it the about time tour and that was about time we did that um yeah, and she says that uh, Mark and her um, tour actually started in Oslo, so they they went to the, the Nordic countries. Right, they stopped uh, by here in Sweden as well yeah, on their that way right. down to that's right mm-hmm. before before the European Skeptics Congress. So that was mm-hmm. quite a tour, and that is among the loveliest memories that I've had in the last five years of my skeptical activism. Uh, that was quite a tour. We we I drove about three thousand, three three and a half thousand. Uh, kilometers across the, the continent so that was uh, uh, cu- quite a bit of uh, driving there as well that's just going to the nearest shopping australia right in australia right, in,
9: in australia. In australia, australia, right? Yeah, right. yeah.
2: <laughs> right. it is it's down corner. <laughs> <laughs> I,
9: I say i'd love to do a tour with susan you know travel through countries and, and, and speak but i don't think i could keep up with her <laughs> i just don't think i could do it. yeah for sure yeah that was
0: that was difficult, but I was the one responsible for organizing the tour. So uh, she basically did what I what I said we were doing. <laughs> so <laughs> she behaved quite so well.
4: And I was, she was just going to say, like Susan and Susan and Mark were were uh, on tour again. Sort of. Let, let me see. Well, I'll let me tell you exactly when it was the weekend of uh, the twentieth of April last year, and 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 they they came to Glasgow, and I didn't get to meet them because I was busy <laughs> with the birth. With the birth of the skeptic baby uh, that that you guys saw right. earlier on, Yeah, you know, so yeah. Um, <laughs> it was it was certainly nice to have them in town and talking at the Glasgow Skeptics, but uh, just a shame I never actually got to see that. But you know, I I had my hands full at the time, but yeah, she's uh, she's quite a traveller. <laughs> yeah,
0: she is, and uh, hope when she can, she comes back to Europe. I think it's. Almost time for us to wrap up this uh, this show, but Almost. since Anika still has a couple of questions for us, yes, uh, <laughs> I think more quiz. I think we should go go on and do
4: that. I don't we know. should I... put Richard to the test. Yeah, now, exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: So far, so, Brian is leading.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know, but Brian was mostly copying Deborah. Um, so, Richard, I'm going to be mostly copying you now. So, <laughs> so now you're at a disadvantage. Luck now,
1: I think you just copied the right people because, like, you, you when, when you copied, you copied, I think you copied Claire on the right questions and then Deborah on the right questions. So you have to just have more now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good skill to have. Good to copy. Yeah. Skeptical spider senses. Books. Let's see if, uh, if Richard can catch up with all okay, of us.
1: Okay, so then welcome to round two.
0: And. How do you say it in German? Tada!
1: Uh, willkommen zu Runde two.
0: Runde two. Oh, I love, I love listening zwei. to that.
1: <laughs> so, sixth question. In 2014, UK psychic. Sally Morgan embarrassed herself when she
5: M- multiple times, I think, before having really <laughs> <laughs> well. That's
1: also, right, but in particular because right. a she contacted contact the spirit of a lady in the audience who was alive at well. B started talking in tongues, which an audience member noted was actually just Hungarian. Hi, Jelena. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, Jelena. Welcome
3: back. Welcome back. Oh. <laughs> Good! Or c- I came to say goodbye. No, but I also want to just like participate you in the quiz. You wanted the point of very the good, last very
5: questions here. Yes, good. Go on. Go or on, play. C
1: um, accidentally emailed her cold reading notes to all conference attendees. What do you think? A.
5: I think I remember this
9: as well. So that yeah. was Yay. Claire, A.
1: right? And yeah. who else said A? <laughs>
9: Everybody, I think. Yeah. Everybody. I think it's A. I'm not sure, but I think it's A. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely
4: was A. A and it yeah. was skeptical YouTube hero Miles Power um, that was in the audience and wrote about this at the time.
1: Okay. So, did I just put everybody down to A?
4: <laughs> I think so. Yes, please.
1: Okay. And the right answer was A. Yes. <laughs> okay.
2: Woo. Woo.
1: Seven. Mm-hmm. The Polish Same. city Karowice is, or however it's pronounced, I'm sorry, is famous for having what type of school? A school of the psychically gifted, B college for superhuman powers, or C school of exorcism.
2: Ooh, yeah,
1: interesting!
0: I have a hunch, but exercise. I'm not going to say. I'm, I'm going to go. You see. will have to eventually. You
9: will have to. You know that. <laughs> yeah, 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 but I'm, I'm going to let you first. I don't want to give you a, a hint. I, I'm going to. I'm going to say B because it just sounds too funny. <laughs> How to? It's it's got to be C yeah.
5: for me. C. Yeah, I, I'm going with C as well. I mean, exorcism is
9: big. Big. big in Poland. Yes. Yeah. A school, yeah. That would be funny. A school for exorcism. Sit down, students. Here's the board. Okay. Okay okay yes. like uh,
5: there's a practical test here we have somebody who is really and you have to and we we take the time now I'm starting the clock now, and uh yeah
1: so okay. so far so. yeah who who else wants to pick something Andros, you didn't pick it c. c c c c c for me please, yeah, mm-hmm. and Andros picks it too, and uh Jalena? oh you already picked C. Yeah. See. Okay. Blicia. Yeah. And the, it was the school of exorcism. Yes.
5: <laughs> it should be the school of superhuman <laughs> But it's but that means it's free, so we can
0: start one. Well, I, I think good. it's
1: um, only for Catholics.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Well, I can. Tra- <laughs> I mean, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> I'm <laughs> baptized. So. Oh, good. Good for you.
5: Okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> demons, bugs for
1: Bless my child, I would say.
0: <laughs> Thank you, my oh. sister. Oh, mother. Oh, one. <laughs>
1: Which European skeptic and author wrote the book *Final Seance* in two thousand and one, which details the strange friendship between Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? I know that. A. Edvard Ernst, B. Massimo Polidoro, or C. Simon Singh.
6: That's a
0: good
4: one.
3: Uh B for me, please. B for me, please. B for, B for me
4: too. I'm also going to say B because Massimo has written about like eight thousand books, hasn't he? So <laughs> he I, writes you know, one a week, doesn't he? <laughs> That's, That's right. 50, yes. Yeah. If, if it's ever a book authoring question, just guess Massimo. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
5: it must be him. Okay, I'm going B as well. I was going to go C just to. Okay, be I just different, write
1: everyone B. right.
0: <laughs> okay. B.
1: And the right answer was, of course, B. Yes.
0: <laughs> so Pontus, please ah, pr- pronounce his name. I love. I love how you say Who's, it. Wh- which B, one? B. B. Arthur
2: <laughs>
0: The answer, please. <laughs> okay, Massimo Polidoro.
2: Oh, that's
3: right. Very good. Bellissimo. <laughs> Scusi. Okay.
2: I, I wonder if <laughs> earlier <laughs>
3: on, en-
0: Enrico Zabeo, the the host of um, uh, Chikap, uh, Radio Chicap, uh, was listening earlier. I wonder if he's still listening. <laughs> Let us know if you're happy oh, with the pronunciation, mm-hmm. Enrico.
1: Okay, so second to last question, Nostradamus, a well-known French fortune teller and occultist, wrote his prophecies in which style to try and avoid arrest by inquisitors? A, jet trains, B, quatrains, or C, steam trains?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Annika!
3: (laughs) Not i'm
2: bad. gonna go with <laughs> so a i think
5: with... b is good as well mm. i think four is better if you want to do i don't know i i just said i'm just gonna say
0: b.
8: you have just more just... room to prophesize <laughs> <before>. <laughs> and
0: i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna go yeah, for really. c exactly. i'm gonna go for c just for fun <laughs> 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 <laughs>
9: I don't think that steam trains is the right track.
8: (laughs) 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 Okay.
1: Yeah. And the right answer was Mm. quatrains. (laughs) Now we come to the last and most hardest. uh, hardest.
0: The most hardest. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The absolute master question. So we probably all know who appeared on the first episode of the ESP, which was uh, who was um, Gábor Haraszko. Please note the Hungarian naming here. Hráško
0: Gábor, that's right. <laughs> very nice, and I I really appreciate how you you paid attention to the the accents on the on the letters. Yeah, very nice, very nicely done.
1: And now I want to know from you who appeared in episode eight. Was it A. Michael Marshall, B. Jay Novella, or C. Diana Barbosa?
9: Oh, well, that's obscure. Don't so, you know your um,
5: ESP uh, history, Richard? What?
1: B for me. I'll just write Jelena G- for a, me.
5: Epi- episode by number and guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's why
3: it's a master, master, master question. It. That's why it's it, hard. So, <laughs> imagine. It- Imagine the same question for guys from the Skeptics Guide to the Universe, I mean how many episodes (laughs) they had? The the, the
5: Skeptics Zone has a few Uh, as well, half a million at least. (laughs) How many many is it now? (laughs) 600 and what? 633. That
0: is insane.
9: Well done, well done. Richard, Richard, Richard. are you doing anything special for Sex, Sex? Sex, sex, sex! sex. Sex, sex, 666, that'll be coming up, yeah. I'll have to think of something. special <laughs> you for you must do, mm-hmm. do, something, do something. Yeah,
1: you must do devil you do that. podcast. <laughs> Invite Deborah Hyde. <laughs>
4: oh, the exorcism school. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get somebody from to. the school
9: of exorcism with
1: Deborah Hyde. <laughs>
9: so I'm going to say author. for this one, I'm going to say Michael Marshall.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in in the same way that if you're guessing about authors, then Massimo Polidoro is a good guess. Um, Michael Marshall is the podcast equivalent. He's pretty much on every, every podcast, week. always, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go for Marshall. And well. he's the
0: only one that you cannot listen to uh, at uh, 1.5 times speed. Because then it's it's incomprehensible. <laughs> no.
2: I usually that's how I usually listen to uh,
0: to to podcasts and it sounds weird when yeah, I I right. uh, listen yeah. to them at normal speed, but I cannot listen to <laughs> to, to Marv speaking at that speed. It's just too I'll speak and slowly
9: next time. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: no Pontus you didn't pick yet, Andros didn't I, pick and uh Claire I would say didn't. B. B.
5: Yeah, it, it, it is B. I, I, I was so starstruck when he w- visited Sweden at the time and I cornered him and I I, I forced him to go into a skeptics in the pub <laughs> with us and I I put him on a stage and interviewed him. It was just me doing that. Uh so yes, it is B.
2: <laughs> so
3: yeah, um, this is how you do it by the way, Pontus. Uh, uh, FYI if you want to ever get a star you on it. your show, yeah. <laughs> corner them.
5: Yeah right
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't give them a chance yeah we've we've done okay. all our
2: interviews think, that
1: way <laughs> i
8: think claire uh
1: do you still want to pick although <laughs> no, there was I mean, already i'm I just waiting, waiting for it to
8: calm down so i'm gonna go with the brian method and go
5: with <laughs> oh i thought okay. you had already guessed so i'm sorry if i spoiled no, it
8: No, <laughs> but you pretty much just gave claire a
1: point okay. it's okay <laughs> because it was um yeah jay Novello. <laughs> So uh, let me just quickly um, count the points while you guys do something else. I
5: demand a recount. <laughs> a
3: recount. <laughs>
0: don't don't, don't worry all... about Annika. Don't worry about me
3: I've because ju- I'm not going to be part of this.
0: I've already put
4: three points. I four seasons landscaping. <laughs> uh, if there's anything that goes wrong here.
9: Well, while you do that, Annika, I'm going to uh, take your podcast over for a minute. Folks, sure. I'm live with the European Skeptics Podcast. They're celebrating a big milestone. Uh, Pontus, Woo-hoo. Andres, and Annika and a group of sort of people from around the world have joined in to celebrate this. Uh, congratulations, everybody. Thank Ooh. you very much. Thank you. Thank
0: you so Ooh. much, Richard. Thank you. And oh, thanks, thanks for joining Richard. us.
9: And Skeptics and listeners, did you know that Yay.
4: Richard was... Ejected from Canada as a child for moose uh, <laughs> abuse.
9: Uh, I don't know if that's going to affect your listenership, Richard. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, all those people I, in Canada, I used to live there, but I was, I was uh, asked to leave the country when I was very young. No, but this is a really great occasion because I know how hard it is to keep a podcast going uh, week after week after week after week. And uh, the European Skeptics Podcast, ESP, I love that, um, I love that uh, way you've, you've cleverly, said that esp the really uh esp experience is certainly on my weekly listen list if i can put it that way and uh it's, it's a testament to the hard work that you put in every week
0: thank you very much we really appreciate that and it's uh it it's uh, it's especially very nice uh coming from you uh whose work we we really admire and and we do value a lot
9: thank you well thank you very much so there you are folks I know I run ads uh, promotions for the ESP quite regularly on the show and I'm, I'm begging you to send me a new one folks over there at, the, at your podcast please do that but uh, for now again my warm congratulations for reaching that milestone and uh, now back to the skeptic zone that's great that's great thank you
2: very soon cool.
0: <laughs> I'm glad
4: we brought a pro on for this wow. at some point well done <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we got the winners now, and um, the winners will receive a 10 so- second song aired on the ESP next episode, <laughs> written and performed by an ESP member me, uh, to honor their terrific knowledge. Ooh. And the winners are a shared first place for Brian and Pontus and second, place for, and second place for Claire. Well Congratulations. Done. Congratulations.
0: Mm. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much,
5: hey Brian.
0: That means it's fist fights to
5: get to see who is really the winner, right?
4: We'll have a virtual arm wrestle after the show. And we'll a virtual arm, arm wrestle. Out. I'm <laughs> looking yeah, forward yeah. to that. Yeah. Whoever's got the bigger bandwidth will uh will win it.
0: I have. Uh, you haven't seen my bandwidth. <laughs> okay, Onikot, Thank you so much for preparing this. This You're welcome. Of course,
1: there are sources. Yeah, thank you, Annika. Thank um, you. I mean, there are sources. We will put them in the show notes for people who are interested to want to learn more about the questions. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I'd like to thank all of you yeah. for joining us today, but I think it's time for us to to wrap this up. <laughs> uh, it's been going on for a while. <laughs> Thanks to really? everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much for, for bearing with us uh, for this long and uh and taking part in our celebrations and uh sending our sending your comments and uh and just 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 being here thank you so much and uh this has been the 250th episode of the european skeptics podcast thank you very much and until next week
6: Goodbye. Hej då! paka. пока!
2: Tschüss! Herab yes! Happy birthday! See you <laughs>
0: This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the esp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can be believe